First question is for Caleb, and it oh. says, knowing that salvation is all of God's doing, in John 17, 14, it says, I have given them your word, and the world hated them because they are not of the world. What is it that the world sees that makes them hate us? And since you had addressed it during your message, I figured you'd be good to answer that. So the text in question says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Um, so the question here is, in what sense are we not of the world as Christ is not of the world? And the reality is that we were born under sin, born in Adam, but when we are transferred into the kingdom of God, there is a change that is a very real change that happens. Second Corinthians 5, uh, uh, 5.17 says that there is a new creation that is made. It is a creation language that's being spoken about. So when, when we are talking about somebody being of the world, John has a very specific idea in mind when he uses this language of the world. So, for example, in 1 John, he says, um, do, not be of, uh, do not love the world or the things of the world. What does it mean when he says, do not love the world? Doesn't, didn't God love the world? So is it good or is it bad to love the world? Well, uh, in Johannine theology, oftentimes the world is speaking about those people who are rejecting and rebelling against God. It is not speaking about the planet. It is speaking about a system of beliefs, a system of living, a system of thinking, a system of being and existing. So when it says that we are not of the world, it's not saying that we came from somewhere outside of the world. It's saying that we were in the world system and we've been removed from the world system and now we are not part of that system but instead we are part of the kingdom of God. So there's two competing things taking place here, and one is the people of the world, the people in the world, the people that love the things of the world, who are opposed to God, opposed to the people of God, and opposed to the things that God loves. That is why the people who are in the world do not love the things of God or the people of God or the ways of God. They reject those things because they're two competing systems, and you cannot have both. So when we talk about um, the question of why is it that they are this way towards us, I don't think it really, really should be surprising because our natural human selves, we can just look back at who we were before Christ and see our hearts towards God and just play that out. And if we would have continued in that way, we would have been just like the people who hated us. We were rejecting the system of God, the way of God, the will of God, the work of God. And so we were that world. Um, I guess the last thing that I would say in that regard is that when we're looking at this question in terms of um, how it is that we are, we are no longer part of the world, the Bible teaches us very clearly, there's, there's a lot of people who have used this phrase that you know, we should be in the world but not of the world. Um, that's not precisely a biblical quote, but there's an idea there that's very true that we are supposed to still exist on the planet while not being of the planetary system. We are our citizenship is elsewhere. So we are not in the world, but we are for the world. We still love the world. We are not against the people. We are against the system. And so we try to call the people out of the system and to the kingdom of Christ. So I know that's, I hope that is a helpful answer for those who asked. Uh, that's a really good, insightful question. Okay, our next question is for Charlie Moore. And it says this, when Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, does that mean we should not pray to Jesus, but only to the Father, and not pray to ask the Holy Spirit to search our heart and convict us of sin, but ask only the Father to do this? 
Yeah, so that's a great, great question. I think uh, this person is referring to John 14. So let me just read the context of that. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Um, yeah, so this is a really... This is a hard question. There's a lot going on in John 14. First of all, let me start by saying that when we pray in the name of Jesus, uh, that's not an incantation. That's not a good luck charm. Um, it's not knocking on wood. If we have prayed according to the will of God, as we know it in Scripture, and we forgot to say, in Jesus' name, amen, it doesn't mean that, uh, that he won't hear us. In fact, I would venture to say that some of you would be well served to stop saying in Jesus' name, amen, because you're not thinking about anything while you're saying it. It's just in Jesus' name, amen. You know, um, one time I was uh, calling a friend to ask him if he wanted to sleep over, and I said on, literally, on, this is back when people didn't have cell phones, and it was on his home phone, hey, Adam, it's Charlie, just calling to see if you could sleep over tonight. All right, call me back. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I mean, uh, <laughs> and, um, and so it shows you just kind of how meaningless, it, it's just like the way we wrap things up, right? It shows you how meaningless it can become to us. Um, also, in the context of John 14, Jesus says at the beginning of the chapter, um, da -da 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 yeah, basically, we're t it's where Thomas, we've talked about it today, where Thomas asks him, um, you know, it, it show us the Father, and he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? And so I think um, John 14, like John 17 and John 1, is a great place to talk about the ontological trinity, um, that when we pray to God, uh, we don't have to decide which one are we praying to, right? We're praying to God. Um, and But he does say, if you ask the Father anything in my name, uh, I have always taken this text because Jesus is talking about you doing greater works than I will do. There's, there's disagreement as to what those greater works are, right? Um, whoever believes in me will do greater works than these um, because I am going to the Father. I, I personally think that that's talking about the early church. Uh, and that's talking about the gifts that the apostles were going to have, that they would be qualitatively and quantitatively greater than the miracles that we saw in the lifetime of Jesus. That in the 12, um, we would see great miraculous deeds, uh, and that whatever they would ask of him in that moment as the gospel was going out, uh, that he would give, he would give them um, if, and, and uh, according to the name of Jesus, I think just means according to the will of Jesus. Again, it's not uh, an incantation. Um, so... Yeah, you guys have anything to add to that? I don't think it's necessarily wrong to pray to the Son or to the Holy Spirit. In fact, we do see that present in the Bible in Acts. We see Stephen, when he's being stoned, called directly out to the Son of God, to Jesus. Um, there's nothing in necessarily wrong with praying to the other persons of the Trinity. In fact, I think there are, are occasions when the Bible makes it clear that that is what is going on uh, with individuals who are praying. But overwhelmingly, the the formula for prayer is always to the Father by the, or uh, by the name of the Son or in the Son by the Spirit. So that's always kind of the picture that we get of it. So I don't think there's anything wrong with praying to them, but generally speaking, our requests are being always presented to the Father. And that's, the, that's the way that 
uh, the, the principle of prayer kind of functions. So good question. Thank you. Amen. And for our final question, um, for the sake of time, and there was a lot of good questions, some not dealing with the topic. But uh, due to the sake of time, we're going to ask one more question, and then we're going to close in our singing and worship. Um, the final question is uh, specific to the topic, uh, modalism. Can you, David, further explain what modalism means versus the true doctrine of the Trinity? Because it was explained clearly today, but someone would like some further explanation. Sure. Yeah, um, you know, when it comes down to it, like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I guess definitions matter, and you know what we mean by what we say matters. And there are people like modalists would say that they believe in the Trinity to some sense. Uh, I mentioned T.D. Jakes before, just because he happens to be a well-known name. If you go on uh, his website, his church's website, they will give acknowledgement to the Trinity. But the way that they define the Trinity is they will say that God exists in three manifestations uh, of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, so, uh, again, you can say, well, I believe in the Trinity, but what do you mean by you believe in the Trinity? So, the modalist view is essentially that God is one person, but that he, he shows himself or he acts in different ways for different purposes and in different places and times. So, in the same way that right now, uh, speaking at this conference, I'm functioning in my role as a pastor. When I go home, I'll now be functioning in my role as, my, uh, as a husband or as a father, depending on which of my family members I'm dealing with. Uh, so when, when God is functioning on earth, he was functioning as the Son. He was functioning as the person of Christ or as the manifestation of Christ. Uh, but yet when he's empowering us uh, to do his will, well, then he's functioning in the role or the manifestation of the Spirit uh, and in creation and uh, in, in guidance and, and in, in uh, inspiring the, the, uh, the prophets, he was functioning in his role as the Father, but just one person. So as I mentioned, when you're, when you're looking at Scripture and you see Jesus praying and pouring out his heart to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane or, or in the high priestly prayer, uh, this is absolutely relegated to nonsense if he's talking to himself. Um, and so whereas the, the true uh, Trinitarian doctrine would say, no, these are three individual people that make up one essence or one Godhead that Jesus wasn't talking to himself. He's talking to the Heavenly Father, and he is going to talking about the Father, and he sending forth the third person or the Holy Spirit who, who empowers us uh, for holy living. So again, there are many people, even the, 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 um, the Mormons will say, well, I believe, we believe in the Trinity, but they mean they were two people that actually lived and, uh, and, and were, were humans and had skin and bones and then ascended to godhood, uh, Christ being a physical or spiritual son that then took on a spiritual form when he came down to earth, um, but, but as a human who then ascended to godhood, the spirit being uh, kind of the power behind it all. Uh, so it's a completely, they'll say they believe in the Trinity, but a completely different definition from what the scripture would describe. So. I'd say a similarly bad analogy to the, you know, I'm a pastor, I'm a husband, I'm a father, would be the uh, uh, ice liquid vapor. You know, that water can be in three forms at different times, uh, depending on where it is, you know, and so... Um, that is not how the Trinity is ever presented to us in Scripture, that he just assumes these different roles, drives these different cars, morphs into different form depending on the task at hand, right? Uh, and that's, that's essentially modalism. He has these different modes of operation that he switches into. Um, and 
uh, if you got nothing, if you got nothing out of what we said, go home and YouTube bad analogies uh, you, uh, by Lutheran satire, um, and watch watch anything you can get your hands on by Lutheran satire. But the gateway is is bad analogies. It's a it's a whole funny uh, comedy sketch about bad analogies of explaining the Trinity, and uh, and we, we we're borrowing from some of them. Well, this time we're going to go ahead and finish up. Um, what we're going to ask is that the worship team go ahead and come forward, and as they are setting the stage, you can stand and prepare your hearts now to finish up our time together. Uh, I will not be back up here. They are going to close out uh, with two songs finalized with the doxology, and that will be your cue to be dismissed. I just want to thank you for being here today. Thank you for coming and to... Uh, be here to learn about the Lord our God who is three in one. Uh, I am so blessed and encouraged by your presence, and I am very thankful that there are this many people that are desirous to build their foundation on the rock and that, they are, uh, that you are here attentive, listening carefully through some of these really deep, rich uh, truths that have been taught today. So thank you for being here. We're blessed and encouraged that you are here with us today.